Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sarah Hennessy is a very witty comedic writer and energetic stand-up who currently calls Brooklyn, New York home. Originally from Aurora, Ontario, and renowned for being an award-winning and well-respected Toronto comic when she lived in that city, Hennessy has just released her second stand-up album. It's called They Know Too Much, It's Very Funny, and it prompted Sarah and I to have a conversation about her upbringing and early interest in the comedic arts the many pros and many cons of the Canadian comedy infrastructure and how homegrown comedy creators are often treated in this country. That time I saw her open for Patton Oswalt at JFL 42 in Toronto. Her new album, They Know Too Much, and much, much more. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and of course, listeners like you, who make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control, download episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and tell others to do the same. This is the 422nd episode of Creative Control, featuring Sarah Hennessy with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Like, that's, like, my vibe. (laughs) And I hope you're into it. Um, But lately, I've been sort of, like, being like, why is that my vibe? And I think it's because I'm a girl, so it's a survival technique. So I come out, and I'm like, wow! You know, like, if you don't like me, that's on you. (laughs) And then I started imagining what it would be like if I was a guy and how I would do it then. And whoa, would I do things differently. I would have sauntered out here at a snail's pace. Just dragging my feet, not looking too impressed at all. Eyelids half mass. And I'd look around, I'd just be like, let's get the fuck out of here. And you'd be like, oh, oh, oh. But I'm a girl, so I'm like, who here needs a kiss on the lips? (laughs) 
I know how. <laughs> but if I was a guy, I'd be like, I'm basically a gun. <laughs> and you'd be like, Mommy likey. I'm going to represent him in the court of law. I'm going to go back to school for it. I'm not qualified yet. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Oh, my gosh, Vish. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm, ve- I'm very well. Where in the world are you? I'm in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York, baby. Wow. That sounds like the big time. How long have you been in Brooklyn? This is my fourth month. I moved here in the beginning of May. And boy, am I settling in. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> I don't know. I have a couch. I have uh, everything's packed. Um, I'm making a few new friends. You know, classic move moment. <laughs> very good. Very good. I know, I think of you and I know of you as a Toronto person. Are you from Toronto? Um, I'm originally from just north of Toronto. I grew up in Aurora, Ontario, Canada. And then I moved to Toronto to pursue stand-up when I was 19. But yeah, I'm like so, I'm so Toronto. Oh my God, there's no getting away from it. (laughs) I couldn't be more Toronto. It's one of the things I first admit when I'm on stage here in New York. I'm like, can I be any more Toronto? And everybody's like, no. Now, what what does that mean? How what can you? How does that manifest itself? You being so Toronto. What what makes you so Toronto at this point? I just feel like I can't. I don't know. It's just a glaring thing. It's like I don't know how to explain it. It's like an essence. Well, I I, I highlighted. <laughs> like essence is so Toronto. Yeah, I highlighted it right away too. Like I think of you as a Toronto. Not only are you a Toronto person, to me you are Toronto. Oh my god. That's so nice because you know what? Now that I'm not living in Toronto, I do miss it so much. And I miss riding my bike everywhere and getting everywhere in less than 10 minutes and just sort of like the Sesame Street vibe of knowing people all over the place. That's just sort of what happens when you live somewhere for a chunk of time. And um, yeah, so thank you. I think that's a huge compliment. I love Toronto. It's meant to be a compliment. So uh, I guess what what brought you to Brooklyn, New York in, in May of 2018? Well, I wanted to try to switch things up and kick things up a level for me professionally. And I thought that I should move to the States. And so I got my green card and um, I decided to move to New York over L.A. because the stand-up scene here is super rad and wild. It's like a million trillion shows. And, you know, L.A.'s were very cool, too. But uh, I just feel like my way into everyone's heart has always been stand-up so i just got to make sure i can do that as much as i can well you're a very gifted stand-up i've seen you perform stand-up many times and i, I think you're amazing at oh, it thank you <laughs> so and, and i do know also that some of our fellow canadians they they go down to la for uh, i think primarily they, you know some of them do stand-up uh, some of them get writing gigs uh that's right and, and i think that seems to be what motivates a lot of people to go to LA is, is the writing, oh, yeah. the writing gigs, but is there as much writing to do in, or, or rather, are there as many writing opportunities, I suppose, in New York by your record? I have a feeling, I have a feeling um, they definitely exist probably even more than Toronto, but probably less than LA, I'm guessing. But you know what? I just got, I just kind of got here. So I'm still unfolding into like the professional re- realm here. Like I don't have any representation here yet. So I'm just sort of like, I'm just like making friends and I guess soon when I do have somebody putting me up for writing jobs and acting jobs, we'll see 
we'll see what the vibe is like as far as like abundance. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, part of my question is, are you motivated primarily to do stand up? The, the reason I make the distinction is some mm-hmm. of our stand up friends, they go and they end up writing and doing stand up. But you chose Brooklyn because it is a stand-up mecca. There's lots of opportunities to do stand-up, maybe more so than in L.A. Does that speak to your desire to be the best stand-up comedian you can be? Yeah, for sure. I just want to – I feel like stand-up for me has always led to writing and led to acting and led to other projects for me. Like, So I I just feel like it's important that it's like something that I'm able to have access to as much as possible – uh, so that's why I chose here, but I do love writing and I do love acting. So I don't know. I just, but I just feel like, yeah, it's the, it's the first, yeah, it's just like the, it's just the, my prime art, art artistic expression, I guess, is stand up. So I just feel like I need to be able to do that or else I'll feel really like neutered. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also <laughs> interesting choice of words, by the way. Thank you. I, well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we all just we all just pictured a cartoon dog that was sad. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, oh, no. so, so you're 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 new you're not you're you're an amazing and theatrical comedian is what I was uh, trying to say there. You are also like the acting is important to you. I feel like when you perform you put your whole body, your whole spirit is into every joke, right? that makes me feel so nice to hear yeah totally it's like i put everything i got into it for sure but you know i'm just having a silly time and uh but yeah i'm trying to i try to just yeah i try to just do it with my whole my whole self Uh, so yeah it gets pretty physical (laughs) and uh and silly uh but like it's not like i'm not thinking about it it just sort of happens and um and yeah so I guess my big goal is just to do stuff in front of camera. But every time I get a writing job, boy, I get so much out of it, no matter what it is. I always like there's a, there's just so much to uh, brush up on and learn about and so many skill sets to develop. Yeah, well, you, I'm calling you from Ontario, which uh, houses Toronto, which we've been talking about. Oh, my God, and, we love it. <laughs> yeah, Canada has a rich history of sending dispatching into the world, uh, very clever theatrical comedic minds they're at you know comedic actors comedic writers i'm curious about what uh, spurred your interest uh, in the in the realm of comedy was it was it being here in this country was it american uh television or or film or, or whatever like what can you talk about that i don't know your origin sure. story yeah i started um well i went to an arts high school uh unionville high school and so i would uh so i got in for the drama program and in 10th grade we did um like a unit on stand-up comedy but we would always watch all the other grade shows so when i was in grade nine watching all the grade 10s do all their different like we went to, we went to yuck yucks and like or, or something like that and watch i think it was yuck yucks and watched everybody perform blah 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 i sort of just knew i wanted to do it and then when i was like 16 uh, and I had my my first chance to do it. I like just went for it, and I never looked back. And I sort of really identified. I was like, "This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. I want to. I'm a comedian, and I want to be a comedian." So were there particular were there particular comedians that you looked up to at that time? Yeah. Well, basically, I'd say like growing up, we watched Kids in the Hall like crazy. And I have two older brothers, and I remember just well, you know, I think it's just a family dynamic. Like you want their, I wanted their approval so bad, and boy, was it hard to get it. And but just watching them like laugh so hard at like 
certain programs like even when we used to watch David Letterman or like you know the weekend update with like Norm Macdonald or like you know what I mean just like family some family viewing Conan O'Brien and Kisna Hall I'd watch them laugh like this like super true guttural laugh and I was just like you know what I mean like I, I knew it was funny I felt like there's nothing better than to be a funny person and so I've always, but they they still don't really find me funny. <laughs> but I but I think I'll. That's why I'll just always keep doing it. Like you just want. But when other people do, if it's the best feeling in the world. But I think it just it started off. I was influenced by those um, people that I mentioned and the need to be funny uh, and to get that kind of reaction. Yeah, you needed the reaction. Oh baby, you know it. I'm so insecure. <laughs> No, it sounds like you wanted per, uh, familial approval. That's all. Yeah, and it feels so good to perform something you know is so silly, and then people are into it. Yeah, well, <laughs> t- I had the exact same. You know, Kids in the Hall, uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. You know, the early, yeah. uh, the first iteration of Conan's show, and yes. and Norm Macdonald. Uh, all of those, they they're huge for me. They're all part of me. And yeah. you're saying they're part of you, too. I, one of the reasons yeah. I had to ask the Canadian question, but I hear a lot of kids in the hall within your comedy, if I, if I may say. Thank you. Well, perhaps it was uh, it, perhaps it like was very influential then, because, you know, it was one of those things I remember not knowing exactly, not being able to explain why something's funny, but knowing it is. And then it, you're just like laughing and how things are weird. It's just like kind of like a weirdness, like kind of a strange, strange comedy. But yeah, I think that a lot of us in Canada were watching a lot of the same stuff. And those were the things we were watching. And then um, the other thing I grew up like watching religiously was uh, the three amigos was a big movie for me. (laughs) I, I, I still watch it all the time. Like it's honestly something I watch religiously and I, and I feel like, uh, that that's like <laughs> that's like a dream come true uh <laughs> movie for me for some reason and I, my dream is to be like in a in a really just funny in a funny good movie <laughs> like that just makes people so happy <laughs> yeah so what, what is it about three amigos three amigos was not i i watched it when i was younger it did not have the impact on me that say something like spies like us spies like us to me, was like just one of these. That was your jam. Well, it was just a film that uh, it was a movie that I just would watch over and over again and find something new about it. Uh, you know, like I just I, there was always some little thing that I hadn't noticed before, and I, I couldn't I could not stop watching it. And I watched Three Amigos only a few times. I feel like I should revisit it. Do you remember what it was? I mean, obviously you got Chevy Chase, you got Steve Martin, you got Martin Short. That's an amazing trio. Uh, but... I think it's just because they were so silly, but not in an over. Like I guess it maybe is in an overt way. It just felt like, it just felt like it's just true, silly, silly, uh, funny things. But not they weren't obnoxious. Like it was just like it was just like characters who were trying their best, but they couldn't uh, do anything right. And I don't know. It's just uh, it was. I don't know why. It's hard to explain. It's like a lot of people, even now that I moved here, people are like, okay, so what kind of comedy do you do? It's hard to explain. Uh, why something's funny? Because you almost you almost ruin it a bit when you overexplain sure, it. Sure, like, sure, yeah. And then people are like, "Who are you? Like, what's your deal?" I'm like, "Well, uh, basically, my comedy style is like me uh, to the max, like or me <laughs> ac- extra version of me silliness. Like, I, it's hard to explain why." And then they're like, "You know." And then what kind of reaction do I expect from that kind of answer? It's like people are like, "Okay, uh huh." Like it's like. 
I don't know. It's weird. It's sort of like, I think I heard uh, Greg Proops talk on his podcast about people, about how comedy is just comedy, but with music, you have so many subgenres. Sure. So people go to comedy shows. He was saying something like people go to comedy shows and they're like, I didn't like that. Like, that's not what I wanted. You know, it's like, well, you have a computer uh, in your hand. <laughs> like, you can look it up before you go. But also there's like different styles of comedy. So if you like, you know, major, like filthy, nasty, like, you know, uh, roast battle comedy, that's just going to like mess up your feelings like you're probably not gonna love me like right yeah there's a certain niceness and and humility to maybe your comedy yeah i better write that down for when next time somebody asks me to explain who i am (laughs) (laughs) there's a a kind of canadian quality to it i mean i think it's funny to me that have you watched have you been following the the steve martin and martin short stuff like since they had their own netflix special and they've been doing shows together I haven't. I watched their Netflix special, but I haven't been following any news on it. Well, I, I had. I enjoyed it, <laughs> but obviously, we all know I'm a Three Amigos head, so well, it's right up my alley. <laughs> I bring it up because isn't it interesting? Because I brought up Spies Like Us as well. It's fascinating what has happened to Chevy Chase, isn't it? He is like Steve Martin. Martin Short are kind of notoriously nice. They're known for being very nice. Chevy, not so much. And I think it's interesting that Steve and Martin, not well, you know what I mean. Steve Martin and Martin Short. They just yeah. they didn't include Chevy. I don't know what, what I don't know what happened there. Chevy's maybe got some years on. I don't even know. It just yeah. that's you know pre- what I I talk about this with my mom a lot <laughs> and my dad actually because we all were like three amigos people and we all like the new special. But if you see footage of Chevy Chase, he, his health is really bad right now. Yeah, he, he's aged badly. And do you know what? Maybe it has something to do with I. You know, you hear stories about him being a me, not the nicest guy. You know, and then people do scientific experiments where they have like a jar of dirt and they swear at one jar of dirt and they're nice to the other jar of dirt. <laughs> and then and the nice jar but the jar of dirt that they're nice to is like it, like it ends up being fine and the one that they're mean to is like all moldy and stuff. Like maybe <laughs> maybe it's not good for you to be negative in life. I don't know. Or maybe we have them all wrong. Well, he just has bad health. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that also strikes me. But I mean, the first track on your new and excellent stand-up record, They Know Too Much, is called Positive Attitude. You have a positive attitude. Thank, yeah, that's true. I do have a positive attitude for the most part. I think it's an, it's an, it's a definitely just a, it's a quality that uh, I think is important. doesn't mean I'm never negative. I just try to go into things uh, with a good vibe. Um, because I feel like it's like the moral right thing to do for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it seems very true to you based on my interactions with you off stage as well. You seem like someone who's who I, I feel like you have a good perspective on life. You know that life is short. You know that life is silly. I might as well make the most of it. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with those things, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't I, I can barely sleep all the time because I'm like, we're, we're all going to die. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not I'm not always walking around feeling great, but I try to put that out there because I just want to work with other creative people and have a really nice time and enjoy and just try my best to enjoy for sure. <laughs> yeah. The, one of my favorite uh, jokes on your new record is in the in the bit crush where you say, it's nice to have a crush because you're not thinking about death all the time. That's just a very funny. Yeah. I'm not doing it justice. People should listen to the record, but that is a <laughs> that is a good outlook on life. You know, is is yeah. you, know, you have to enjoy uh, life for what it is and and not dwell. And I I, pre- I think that's that's a 
there's a darkness in comedy, don't you think, that people get mired in when they're uh, exploring their craft? I mean, the, like you yeah. say, there is there is some darkness on your new record. There's some darkness in your material. But ultimately, it's a positive vibe. Yeah, for sure. And I think perhaps perhaps I'm like um, my jokes are me kind of battling with that. You know, what I mean, like just trying to keep it keep it positive when when you do have the death uh, thoughts creeping in well, yeah. right before you slip into dreamland. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the beginning of this chat, when we were talking about why you relocated to Brooklyn, you said something uh, interesting to me, uh, which is that you wanted to kick things up a notch. You'd been in Toronto for a long time. Toronto's comedy scene. I think has become more and more vibrant, but I, oh, it's so I, great. yeah, it's amazing. Oh, by the way, and you're part of the, don't for, don't forget to remind me to ask you about laugh Sabbath, because that's a, that's a collective in Toronto that we should address. But I just want to follow through on this question about your decision to move from Canada to the States. From your perspective, would you say there are still some comedy infrastructure issues in Canada, in Toronto these days? Oh yeah, it's really hard to make a living, and it's really hard to um, pursue uh, a, a, your career in um, television and uh, movies because uh, there's only like three shows, and and it doesn't look like it's gonna, you know, it's there's gonna be any more anytime soon, and there's barely any movies. It's just really hard to get anything made or done there, and. Um, and it's a and it's a bit of a struggle, and like we said, life is very short. So I had to I have to move on to maybe where there might be some more possibilities for me to um, have more of a career uh, in in film and television because it's a bit limited uh, in in Canada for me. Uh, and I, I'm hoping you can expand upon that a little. I know you're not looking to solve these problems, but you address them, you allude to them. So I just I'm curious because. From my perspective, I mostly come from a, a musical background in terms of what I cover and who I speak with. And I, I happen to know that Canada, um, unlike America, unlike many countries, has a very good and fruitful uh, granting agency system for cultural production. Comedy doesn't get lumped into that cultural production. does, Even though, like I said earlier, we have this rich amazingly rich history sctv kids in the hall all these people mike myers jim carrey like we have this rich history of great comedians and comedic voices mm -hmm. for some reason and, yeah. comedy is still not treated as the art form it, it really is here i don't understand and plus jfl i mean the big one of the biggest comedy if not the biggest comedy festival in the world takes place in montreal why why sarah why why <laughs> why are we not more supportive of, of emerging uh, comedians well, I think a lot of people don't put their own money into stuff. I, I, everything is government funded, and there's only three networks, and so uh, the people there's only a, a certain amount of people in charge, and for them, it's money making uh, less than, yeah, I mean, like more than it is like let's foster the talent. Like uh, it's cheaper for them to you know put Big Bang Theory uh, have a Big Bang Theory marathon than it is to maybe make a couple new cool shows with mm. us. Uh, unique voices uh and you know you can't you can only fight that so much like i i, I luckily was able to get funding me and stuff calendar to make terrific women as a web series with cbc comedy yeah <laughs> and that was really cool and i honestly couldn't believe it stuff's more positive than me she's like i'm like they'll never do it you know <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they were and then they said yes and then i was like oh like cool 
but you know, uh, it, it, but that also just feels like I felt like we slipped through the cracks somehow. Like I, I still can barely believe it. I, I don't mean I don't want to be jaded and stuff like that, but it's it's just really it's really hard, and you know, I don't. I, it's hard for them to make. I don't know. It's hard for them to like. Uh, make movies and television lots of movies and television it, it's just really hard. it's yeah. just i it's like it, it, it's really hard and people don't want to put their own money in so that who do lots of grant applications and and uh that's a long process and and yeah you, usually comedy will not you have to like kind of lie and say it's a drama like there's i don't know it's really weird like it's very strange to me it boils, it's fractured it, it's fractured yeah. and uh i'm just like i'm getting old and i have to figure out i have to like make as much with my life as i can before <laughs> it's all over and i just and i just don't it just doesn't feel as fostered there as it could uh, do we take ourselves too seriously up here is it just too, is, is canada become too serious for comedy no, I don't think it's too serious. I think that there's just so much red tape, and I think yeah. there's only there's only a few people in charge, and they're I don't think their passion I don't think their passions are the same as the people who are like in at comedy bar making like amazing original content all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's there's a there's a chain of command that's uh, it's it's too it's nuts too like i don't know about you but i always had a problem with authority and like and yeah, then yeah. you have the, and then you have this like weird system where you have to like act you have to like suck up to these like three people who have bad taste and it's like <laughs> i don't know what the point is you know <laughs> yeah i mean i i ask you this because i first you know i i think i've talked to you about this before one of my memories of you and seeing you perform was doing like this weird warm up gig at jfl 42 in like the sony center which is like oh my god that was the perfect that's the perfect metaphor for what my career is like in canada as a comedian yeah it was basically there was uh i don't remember the bill uh do you remember what whose show that was in i was opening for Patton oswald but i was the opening opening act right i think aparnan and sherla opened for him that day yeah, yeah so we are i'm i'm i hand in my ticket i go to my seat there's people talking as you would before a show starts. And then I squint. I'm like, wait a minute. There's a comedian already on stage. What have I missed? And it's you just doing comedy to people who are walking to their seats. You do the best job you can. You're very funny. I mean, I'm paying attention. Lots of people aren't. I, I don't mind saying this. You leave. Then the lights come down and someone says, hey, we're starting the show. And here's an American comedian, a partner in Shell. They didn't say it like that, but that's what I thought. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it seemed very <laughs> disrespectful to me. And it's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to ask you about this, because I think you have and, and you've done some writing in Canada, too, for shows. Is that right? Yeah, I've written on a few sitcoms in Canada. I wrote for Spun Out, which was a CTV sitcom starring Dave Foley. <laughs> and I wrote for a um uh, a show called Stanley Dynamic, which was a a kids sitcom live action, but one of the one of the kids in the family is a cartoon. But okay. um, right, yeah, so you have a lot of experience. A, uh, a little bit of experience, but, <laughs> but like, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but that that gig was nuts because it was like the the music was still like they're like they had music on and like the house lights were on and people were still finding their seats. And and they're like, okay, here's your microphone. Go out and do five, like five to seven minutes. And so the Sony Center is like six thousand seats. So yeah. it's like the yeah. biggest. It's, it's the biggest venue 
I've ever had, and it's the so it, which equates to probably one of the biggest opportunities I've ever had. So I go out there completely <laughs> like ready to just do the make the best out of it. Like I'm in, I'm put in a bad situation because they didn't start the show. They just want me to quote unquote warm people up. So I go out there and I do my set as best as I could can, and I perform like everybody's watching. Where really only some people are watching. People are kind of confused too. They're like, "Why isn't the lights down? Why isn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever?" And so I do it, and then I get off stage, and uh, and then they start the show for real, and then the the true opener gets uh, all the attention with a spotlight. And it was just funny. It's like even the woman who booked me, she was like, "Honestly, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't paying attention because I was talking to some people." on my feet and i was like cool okay like so jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it blue nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Lord. Like how many... How many of these circumstances am I supposed to just like grin and bear when I have like true, I feel like true, like talent and skills. So I have to go. I had to move. Yeah. And that sucks. And you know what's going to happen now is when you blow up, everyone here in Canada is going to be very proud of you, even though the number one giant Canadian comedy corporation kind of shafted you a little bit you know they they put you in this position where you don't get and i and by the way i should say you're not the only canadian comedian i saw put in that position at that year's no no, no no i saw rebecca luckily i went because rebecca kohler did the night ahead of me and i and uh i did a few i did one for like craig ferguson and uh hannibal burris and stuff but i went and saw uh, rebecca kohler uh do it so that way i could get a kind of like a feel for it and i was like okay cool so the feel is like zero respect and yeah yeah <laughs> and you fight in a fight in a fight you're going out there fighting um and then i remember <laughs> i did a few of those shows and one of them they were like do you mind if we just keep the house music going during your set and i was like no no i you cannot do that to me it's already hard enough and then another woman came up to me she's like hey so would you mind just doing crowd work instead because obviously but whatever and i was like and i said yes but you know what i didn't mean it because i'm like no i've been like i'm in front of six thousand people i'm doing my material yeah and so i just said yes but the thing is is just for last has been the one like thing that has elevated my I've got to go there four times now. This past summer was uh, the latest and to do TV tapings and stuff like that. So it's like, I can't look a gift horse in the mouth. Like they're, they're like, it's like just for last lets me come back and do tapings and open for people. And it's the only opportunity I have to possibly get seen by somebody who can help me in any way. So it's like, 
it's 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 the best for me um but yeah but th then you get put in those weird situations <laughs> yeah no no i understand your position in it uh, in this situation totally it just sucked to see it because yeah. I, I was and already I appreciate you caring because like most people don't care in the industry they're like yeah that's just the way it is but if everybody just says that then no changes are ever made and stuff you know it just it blows <laughs> well and and also just because i'm sort of know how things work i just thought oh they probably asked for grant money to have canadian comedians from these canadian granting agencies but right. they, they just decided they like as a it's just sort of like lip service yeah yeah we're gonna book a bunch of canadian on the website it would say like here's like the headliners and they're all always american and then mm -hmm. they'll be like, here are the other 42. And I always thought that seemed a little disparaging in itself. Uh, and then, then I see you in that position, and I just think they're filling a, a kind of a man. Oh, yeah, you know, we got some grant money for Canadian comedians. we got to put them somewhere. Let's just have them open for big league comedians while people are shuffling to their seats and eating popcorn. And there's music playing like that. I just I'm sorry. And I don't you've talked about no, it. No, it, it would have been it would have been so much better if I got the lights down with a spotlight so people could actually know that I was up there. <laughs> And, 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 and to be and fair, I had a fighting chance. Yeah, to be fair, this was a few years ago. I have seen, I've been to JFL 42 since then. They may and, have changed it. Yeah, and I've seen some Canadian comedians do like five, seven, five to seven minutes like you, you did, and the lights did come down. But I don't know what was going on. Anyway, that was strange. And I'm sorry that you're not here, but I'm happy that you've released what I, is this your second stand-up record? Yeah, this is my second. This is my second one. So my first one came out in 2015, and it's called Trouble in Paradise, and I'm I really love that one too. Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. It's it's so good. Um, you know, the comedy like putting out a comedy record is probably one of the best ways to make a living. So that's cool. It's called they they know too much. Who's they? They who knows too that's much. That's the audience. That's how I feel after I have a, a a set sometimes. Like you know what I mean? Like sometimes I just feel like I get I'm having the best time and I'm like, whoa, whoa, and I put so much out there and then after I'm like, oh no. You know what I mean? <laughs> and because you know, I don't know. That's just it, basically. Do you ever like you were talking earlier about how there some one of your uh, a comedian you heard a comedian talking about how there's not really genres of comedy, but I yeah, Greg Proops was saying that. Yeah. That's right, but I I kind of disagree with that. I think there are like and you mentioned a couple too, but you know, I was just drawing this distinction with a comedian from the states, uh, Brad Wenzel, about one-liner comedians versus uh, more storytelling or personal comedians, right? Where a one-liner comedian, you might not get a real sense of them personally. You might get a sense of their perspective on the, the world. But with a storytelling comedian, you're going to learn a lot about them um, on a personal level. So you have, on the one hand, someone kind of keeping their distance from their audience. On another, you have a very vulnerable performer who's just sharing everything about their lives. I feel like you're kind of in the middle of those two. I'm not quite sure. It's like it's interesting that you say that because right now I'm because of my album I'm filling out all the information to submit it for the um, like XM radio stuff so that way they can air it and they need you to for each track you have to write down whether it's jokes or storytelling you have to write exactly like what you cover and like your style so it's they have different ones for me to choose from so it's I I definitely have to put. It's when they say storytelling or jokes. Most of the time, I have to put storytelling, even though I oh. do have jokes within it. 
but I feel like I don't want people to expect it's hard to classify yourself in in this new way, but um, I'd say I don't know because I feel like if somebody's expecting jokes, they might be like, I don't know whether they'll understand. They'll I don't know whether they might be, I don't know, surprised with or uh, find it uh, surprising or unexpected my my style of huh. uh, yeah. delivery. Yeah. Because I feel like I feel like I have punchlines throughout my stories that's obviously how it works in stand comedy but uh <laughs> but uh but you know but sometimes the because of my type of delivery my just who i am people uh might not it, I, it's not as black and white i guess it's like uh well it feels real and surreal like i feel like i'm learning about you and or or your the version of you that you're putting out into the world i should say you know, a uh-huh. persona, but I also feel like that kids in the hall stuff comes through that kind of more surreal kind of like just, you know, I'm just going out th- like this is just out of left field kind of stuff. You're good at that stuff. Like I, I know that's I, that you, you have that sort of there's like a manic energy sometimes where I'm like, oh, no. This is I'm not oh no, but just like oh wow, like this is going, <laughs> this is going. I've never said oh no to one of your jokes. I've said oh wow, like I didn't expect the, 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 you to take us in that direction. You know what I mean? For sure. I definitely, I definitely, that's why it's so difficult to classify yeah. comedy. Because yeah. you're like, well, one minute it's this and one minute it's this other thing. So what's this hype? What do we say? Do we just hyphenate all these feelings that I'm having? Like, what's <laughs> going on? I feel like that's why it's hard to describe it. Even what? though it, it has been helpful having you just kind of describe it back to me. Because like, I, I, even with this thing, I have to fill it right now so that way I get airplay. It's like... I don't know, man. It's like, uh, it's difficult. And it's it's hard as well. It's a very independent thing that I do. Like, I don't, I think people, people, some people have managers and agents who can sit down and help them sort of strategize and, and everything. But I definitely feel very alone a lot of the time. Do you feel like you do want to put up a little bit of a, a fence, so to speak, between you and your audience? Do you, do you relish that kind of that that sort of distance between your persona and your real life and what people perceive you to be like? I just want to be funny. Okay. Like on stage, right. like it's just important to me that I'm as funny as possible and it's just a great experience for everybody comedy wise. Like uh That was a very that, diplomatic that was a diplomatic answer, I have to say. I've never that that's the most <laughs> diplomatic thing you could have said. <laughs> well that's what everybody always says about me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so did you do you did you release this record by yourself so to speak that's right yeah i released this one by myself my last record i i recorded uh with uh i recorded and and got it mixed with people independently as well but i put it out with comedy records uh and, and they're pretty they're pretty cool but uh this time i decided to just do it on my own because it's how i make a living so i don't since I rec- got it recorded on my own dime and mixed on my own dime by other people who aren't them, I just don't want to give a cut to somebody, you know sure, what I mean? Sure. Uh, because I'm trying to pay rent. <laughs> no, that's fair. Basically. And when was yeah. it? When and where was it recorded? We recorded, um, I recorded with Andrew John, the same night as Andrew Johnston at Buddies and Bad Times Theater in Toronto on April 13th. Oh, this, oh, it's just from a few months ago. Yeah, and so we did that with our first records too. We both collaborated on um, a record, an evening of uh, album recording. Oh, I see. And uh, yeah, yeah, and then we've always we've always had a great time putting on shows together. And um, yeah, so we did that together. And this one was, uh, yeah, it was like kind of a long night. Like, 
It's like that last time I went first and he went second, but this time I went second and we both kind of did like a lot of time. And so I felt like I really, it was like, you, I really had to bring him in because <laughs> <Because, laughs> it was like a, it was like just definitely a long night of comedy, but the audience was amazing and it was so fun. Yeah. And I have to say, and this might sound weird to some people, maybe even to you, but uh, on a sonic level, this is a great sounding stand-up record. They don't always sound amazing, and this one sounds particularly good. Oh well, I used your technician. <laughs> <laughs> you used my technician. Who's that? Yes, I met him at your show. Oh, d- did you use Dave McKinnon? That's right. Oh. Dave McKinnon recorded it oh. and, and edited it. For I me. I actually had no idea. Really? Are That's, you serious? I really didn't know. I wasn't just trying to. <laughs> big up the recording it really you you were on my long night talk show a couple times and dave would have recorded that and so you met dave probably what at the transac in the fall yeah yeah and um but actually it was uh matt beckett from the bicycles oh. who suggested suggested that i get him to record my album oh you know what i remember matt asking me for dave's email and i and i feel like he mentioned you were involved now that i think about it, that was oh my a- god Beast, you're a huge part of this album <laughs> 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 well, again, I honestly and sincerely did not know that it was recorded by Dave. I just, uh, I, <laughs> I just, I thought about it while I was listening to it uh, recently. Like it sounds really strong. Like the crowd sound is big, and sometimes you don't get that. You know what I mean? It's, this is like oh, a, totally, totally. I'm, yeah, I'm being a I, tech I, nerd right now, but sometimes that balance of a live show is really hard to capture between the audience and because uh, you're, if you're telling a joke and the audience sounds like they're in another room. It just doesn't yeah. work as a comedy record. It just... You need the you need the right balance because if and if the audience is too loud, you got to take that down too because it can be distracting to the joke telling. Right. Yeah. 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 It is, so... it, yeah it's crazy. It's it's wild. Yeah. You definitely need somebody who knows what they're doing to do it because that's something where it's like you just have to defer to someone else's expertise because I don't know. Like you know when you're listening to it, but. You just kind of hope for the best when you hire somebody. Yeah, together, I, right? I I only highlighted this in the context of us talking about you independently producing a comedy record because I get sent independently produced comedy records sometimes, and I'm just like, this doesn't sound as good as it could have. Your well, sound, yeah, totally pro. Thanks so much. Well, you know what, Dave did a great job, and uh, I and I everything I do, like all of the different like comedy shorts I make, or even like shows that I put on it's it's a real community effort like you ask around or you know somebody or somebody knows somebody who's a good person to work with and and you know you just you end up finding the right people to help you uh you know make your projects yeah yeah no and it's just it's just just wild it's just so it's so fun it's like it just you, you yeah and then you go back to the people who really helps you out or like who you gelled with well, I think it speaks to your commitment to excellence as well. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I do have a commitment to excellence. You do. <laughs> I, I believe that you do, and and that's why I bring it up. So what is sort of next for you? I mean, this record is just out. I think it's been out a, less than a week now, and it's is it being received well, so to speak? Have you gotten some nice feedback about it? Yeah, so far so good. Like I said, I'm a bit of a one-man band, so I'm just trying to send it to people to check it out too. It's like... You know, social media is cool, but you only have your friends on it, you know. So I'm trying my best to, uh, you know, I just put it out there. And some people are being, you know, other uh, people in the comedy community are sharing it and tweeting about it. And that's really cool. And uh, and that's basically where I'm at right now. I think eventually I would really love to have some sort of like, 
um, somebody else who sees some potential who can help me out along yeah. the way. Yeah, but it's fascinating. <laughs> but, um, it's fascinating. But now it's just me. I was just going to say, like, I I only heard about your record, I think, because I saw you tweet about it. Like, there was no press release. It just you were, and it was out. It was like the Friday, I think, it came out, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know this was forthcoming. So I must, did I miss something, Sarah? Am I? Did I make a mistake? No, I just put it out. I just put it out, like uh, Beyonce style. Um, you just like it's it's not the easiest to get press. Like, yeah, uh, it's like you you can put out a press release, but unless somebody like likes you, they're not going to care. <laughs> Like, it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I, I, I like, I think I put one out for the last one and yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody really took the bait. So it's like, it's very independent. It's like, it can be like, maybe this is why I'm always just trying to have so much fun. It's cause it can be such a bummer, the, like the industry. So yeah, <laughs> no, I, I hear you. And I, I'm wondering objectively objectively sir you've just put out a comedy record this is in no way meant to diminish that but don't you feel like there are a lot of comedy specials and records coming out every hour of every day now doesn't it feel like i feel like netflix puts one out once a week or oh, yeah and they just yeah they just uh they recorded like 30 of them at just for last this year it's pretty cool like it's, it's a good wild. thing you think it's a good thing well yeah because I feel like people like comedy the way people like music now, which yes. is crazy. Like, yeah. so people are like, oh, my favorite bands. They're like, oh, my favorite comedians. Or you got to check out this, you got to check out that. I think people really like podcasts. Or like, like you know, everything, people are more invested than ever in, in stand-up comedy and in comedy programming. But uh, I don't know. I've heard some. I've heard some interesting things. Like, there's some really awesome people who have uh, Netflix specials. But then sometimes you're on Netflix and you're like, "Who's this person?" Like, <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. Like, I hear that certain people you can just sort of pay for pay for one or something. But I don't know. Like, no, I think you, it, I do. Ultimately, think it's cool. And I think you're just alluding to the fact that there is actually this rich history of comedians who want to be musicians and musicians who want to be comedians and i i it just makes me wonder if you're a music person yourself at one point on your on your new record you you bust out some alanis and uh i <laughs> i am compelled by that piece every time it comes up it's because i'm like she can really she's got pipes you can actually sing oh no i can't yes you can't no you were oh very good i i was like <laughs> I thought it was my good. My more sudden impression. Oh my gosh, so funny. <laughs> Are you a music person? Do you love music? I well, yeah, I definitely love music, and I'm always on the search for new music because I get you get so you find a song or a band that you love so much, and then I don't know if you're like me, you listen to it so much, and then it stops having that feeling. It's like your honeymoon period's over. And yeah, you're like, fuck, I wore it out. Oh, great, great. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm I'm with you on that for sure. Well. Yeah. I just want to highlight uh, the fact that, uh, yeah, this record is out. Well, oh, yeah, I didn't actually get you to finish because my questions are all rambly. But what is coming up next for you beyond uh, They Know Too Much? Are you touring? Do you have other stuff going on that you yeah, want to tell us about? Um, well, uh, in, I'm coming back to Canada to do my Autumn Jaunt tour this fall with uh, Chris Locke and Tom Henry. Oh, this nice. Is our, this is our third year doing it. And so we're doing a few more dates this time. Uh, we're going to be doing some East Coast dates like Halifax and... Sackville. <laughs> nice. Sackville's <laughs> and awesome. We're also doing like Waterloo, which I lo we love playing. And um, we're starting off in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. And then so that's our, this is our third year doing it. And then hopefully next year we'll be able to bring it uh, to West Coast. But yeah, it's called Autumn Jaunt. 
And it's just a, a feel-good comedy tour with uh, three fun comedians. And when does it start? Um, it's going to start, I think, November 8th. We're kicking it off in Toronto. and then. Uh, but yeah, we'll have more details out soon. We're just sort of locking down the venues and everything. Okay. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Another thing, it's a completely independent production. <laughs> <laughs> so like anybody who's like into it, like they should come. <laughs> okay, I I, yeah. I support that suggestion as well. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you and this new record? Uh, they know too much. Cool. Well, it's on like you can listen on iTunes uh, or Spotify or whatever your favorite way to listen to stuff is. But I'm on uh, Twitter, Sarah underscore Hennessy, um, or there's sarahhennessy.com, and that sort of like just gives you all the links to all my different other things. Okay. And we can like, you know, be friends on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there one bit or track from this record that you would uh, permit me to play for people right now so they can get a taste of what we've been talking about? Well, we talked about Crush. Why don't you play that one? Crush is a, a favorite one. I feel like I mentioned it twice. Uh, ah! During... Yeah, man, I totally play that one. <laughs> I, I seem to have a crush on crush. Do you currently have a crush, Sarah? No. Oh my god, I'm crushless, and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> it, it. It sucks because my whole like, mo like the best part about having a crush is that like, well, no, it's not the best. The worst part about having a crush is that you don't even own your own brain anymore. Like you can't <laughs> stop thinking about your crush. But right now, it's like I have. I can do anything I want whenever I want, and it kind of annoys me because I'm like, oh, boy, would I love to fixate on a crush. You know, but the, uh, all I can do is concentrate on me and I guess my goals. Right. No, that's <laughs> that's fair. I, I think the paternal side of me is worried about you having a Brooklyn crush. I don't know why. Oh my god, I really appreciate that. I want I want people to be worried about my personal drama, <laughs> but right now there is no drama to be worried about. <laughs> okay, that that settles my heart a little bit. I'm glad and my mind. I'm glad you're. You're okay. But I, I do wish uh, for happiness and crushes for you in the Thank future. Uh, this is Crush by Sarah Hennessy from her excellent new stand-up record, They Know Too Much. Sarah, thank you so much for being on my show, and best luck with everything going forward. Thanks, Mish. You're, you're totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, is my crush here tonight? Ugh, imagine. They could be. <laughs> You know what I'm saying when I say crush, though, right? The best feeling in the world. <laughs> Don't you love when you have a crush? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm not thinking about death all the time. <laughs> Instead, I'm just thinking about outfits. <laughs> oh, I love a crush. And the most mundane things become so much more exciting. Like, grocery shopping, I'm pretty over grocery shopping. I'm always like, yeah, I got it, arugula. <laughs> but if I have a crush, I'm like, well, I'm just going to put on this special mix and work those aisles. Because you might run into them. I've seen enough television and movies to know that if you run into your crush at a grocery store, that means permanent love. <laughs> But if you run into a crush, you're like, oh my God, what are you doing here? You like go grocery shopping? You eat food too? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, cool. Oh my God, that's so cool. So do you like three meals a day or like a bunch of snacks? <laughs> like what's your style? He's like, I don't know, I guess it depends on the day. I'm like, you're so funny. <laughs> 
That's so you. That's what I like about you. I'm like holding a basket. I'm like, don't look in my basket. Don't look in it. And he tries to. I'm like, no, don't. Seriously, don't. <laughs> Screw eyes. I think grocery baskets are the window to the soul. <laughs> but then he seeks a hard peek. And I'm like, oh. And he's like, what is that, a single potato? <laughs> And I'm like, yes. And then he's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. Word to the wise, if you're grocery shopping, you have a potato in your basket, just circle back, grab a second potato. All right? If people ask questions, just claim that you have potato supper with friend, you know? You seem very popular, very cool. But I gotta say, something completely traumatic happened the last time I had a major crush. You know those ones where you're like, I can't believe it's happening. We're gonna spend the rest of our lives together. And, but then in a casual conversation, he was like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, my partner, you know? And then partner's more than regular stuff. <laughs> So then a lot of quick business had to happen in my head. I was like, don't look insane. So I was like, got it. And then I was like, she sounds fantastic. You know, you got to be calm, cool, and collected on the outside. But I got to tell you, it was a different story on the inside. On the inside, I was like, I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but, oh, that's her, the best she'd bring a green trench coat for you, both. A green trench coat? I can't compete with that. <laughs> what is she, a surgeon? <laughs> I'm in love with her now. Crushing. Special thanks once again to Sarah Hennessy for appearing on this, the 422nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify, YouTube, and Audioboom. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're, you're looking for it on any of those platforms, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. All your vishkana needs can be found at vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me at vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. We have a, a, a number of people who do this. We could always use more, more support, and you can pledge whatever you whatever you want a month, a dollar, two dollars, three hundred and fifty million dollars a month. It, it can be any amount that you choose, and you can also always cancel if you're not happy with what you're doing 
with your life. So again, patreon.com slash creative control to pledge to this show. Thanks again to the in-kind support I received for this show from people like Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts. Also, my friend Jim Guthrie lets me use the instrumental version of his song, The Rest Is Yet to Come, and you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this show and subscribing to the podcast and downloading episodes. It really means a lot. I hope you will continue to do that and ask your friends who might like the show to try it out. You know, give it a spin, see if they like it, and uh, who knows? Who knows what will happen? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll like it, I guess, is one of the things that could happen. That's all I have to say for now. I will talk to you very, very soon. Be well. Bye for now. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.